to make extremely difficult and soul-searching decisions. We talking about practice. World champion. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm Mike Sielski alongside Dave Murphy. We're back for another edition of Not Another Philly Talk show, sports talk show, sports talk, talk show. show. Not another Philly sports talk show. We got to come up with a more succinct title, I think, because it's kind of like uh, you know, Doctor Strange Love, how I learned to stop worrying and love a Philly sports talk show or something like that. <laughs> Nuclear uh, Holocaust is an, an appropriate, uh, <laughs> appropriate makes for a nice segue. Appropriate topic of conversation y- these y- days in Philadelphia sports. So here we are on uh, Monday morning. What is it? Four days removed from the Eagles' humiliating loss on Thanksgiving Day to the Lions. And we have news breaking that um, USC has hired a head coach, but that they reportedly met with Chip Kelly in person in Philadelphia last week to offer him the job slash gauge his interest slash get a sense of whether he'd take this thing. And Murph, what are we to make of this? Well, I mean, clearly Chip Kelly, I mean, it's so, Chip Kelly's a very tough guy to speculate about um, because he almost seems like he lives to destroy narratives at times. So, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, really, Chip Kelly has not fed the speculation at all that he'd be interested in going to college. I mean, this is essentially we've created our own narrative that we're now discussing. Uh, But this at least um, puts a little concreteness into it, I guess you would. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I I would say this, that the narrative of Chip potentially going back to college is a heck of a weapon for him. Yeah. You know, it gives him leverage. It it probably allowed him to, you know, leverage Jeffrey Lurie to get the power he got last year um, because there were rumors of Florida and there's always this, whatever Pac-10 school happens to have an opening um, and Chip doesn't have to float it. David Dunn, his agent, can float it and then all of a sudden you get a situation. Um, I wonder how much the tide is turning in that regard. I mean, certainly last year when the Eagles made their big change and demoted Howie Roseman and elevated Chip, the perception was, well, the Eagles can't lose Chip Kelly. He's Chip Kelly. He's he's genius. He is, you know, 10 and 6 after two years and has the team on the upswing. That's certainly changed now. So I don't know whether Lurie looks at it that way or not. I think the public perception is different, though. Well, let's, let's try to stick with what we know. Chip Kelly did not take the USC job. Right. And, and if the report is accurate, he did meet with the USC representative so that would mean there was at least a slight chance that that he needed to he, he could have heard something yes um now there's two there's two I, I would say the thing we know most is that chip kelly does not fear for his job in philadelphia because i would think that if he did uh there would have been a lot more conversations yes before usc hired clay helton so i don't know if um you know he he used that conversation to you know broach the conversation with Luria about hey you know, these guys are asking about me, mm-hmm. you know, am I going to be, you know, do I have any reason to listen Worry. to them? Yeah. Um, so I think we can say, uh, you know, Occam's razor would suggest that, uh, you know, Chip Kelly definitely will not be fired by the Eagles this year. I, I would think so. I, I've always maintained that. Now, there's a, there's an interesting provocative piece on phillyvoice.com by Jimmy Kemsky, who covers the Eagles for them. Um, suggesting that the Eagles should cut ties with Kelly, that there are trends in place suggesting that, you know, he can't pick a quarterback. The team is getting worse this year. Uh, personnel moves were bad. Uh, the the hurry-up offense, the, the, the tempo offense doesn't work, and everybody's figured it out, that sort of thing. 
Um, I just find it hard to believe just observing Jeffrey Lurie for his tenure as the Eagles owner that he's going to cut ties with Chip Kelly after three years, particularly less than a year after giving him all this power. It's just not his M.O. I mean, things had to get really, really bad with Ray Rhodes after four years before he cut ties with Ray Rhodes, and things had to get really, really bad with Andy Reid after 14 years. And even then, after 13, Lurie gave him a second chance and basically said, you got one more year to make this work when everybody knew it really wasn't going to work. I, mean, I just don't think that it was ever... You don't give a guy complete personnel control and then turn around you know, eight months later and decide that you made a mistake. You just, it's just not the way it works, right. especially in this year in the NFL when you look around uh, at how crazy this year has been and some of these longtime teams that have, have you know, I mean, look, what the, the Eagles did what they had to do this past offseason. And I think if, I say that when you look at the Houston situation with uh, Rick Smith, that general mm-hmm. manager, and Bill O'Brien. Um, look, the coach either has to acknowledge the authority of his his superior in, in, in Howie Roseman in this case, or he needs to have compl- he needs to have the final say, you right. know? And, and I think that that's, it was, it was almost a formality that Chip Kelly was not going to take orders, orders from Howie Roseman. Right. Um, so I think if there was a time where the Eagles were going to cut bait, it would have been last year. And obviously they weren't going to do that after, you know, back to back 10 and six records. And it just doesn't make sense for them. Um, doesn't make sense for them to move on at this point, especially if Chip Kelly is getting overtures from, college because why, why pay a guy to why why pay to fire a guy if he might leave on his own volition right exactly and you know the other thing too is that i think it it takes out the possibility however slight it might be that chip can actually evolve and i know that's something that we have scant evidence of so far through three years and certainly through this season um but it's not completely unheard of and it's not you know, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the importance of a quarterback and how a quarterback can make a coach very smart when the coach isn't perceived to be very smart. I think we would both agree that, at least in one sense, Chip was very smart. He was innovative in how he went about kind of carving out his niche and, and building his reputation as a football coach. And you see this in other coaches where guys who are perceived to be clueless or not cut out for the NFL, i.e. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, guys like that, do turn it around through whether you call it circumstance, whether you call it luck, whether you call it evolution, those things do happen. Now, maybe you're taking a flyer, you know, that that it will when it won't, but I don't know that you can totally close the door on that just yet. No, you absolutely can. I mean, again... We're, we're, we're like ele- it's easy to say we're 11 games into his third season his right. first two seasons finished 10 and 6 10 and 6 with a slot bucket of quarterbacks you know I get what we've seen this year um, has let everybody down and I get that there's some very serious concerns especially with regard to his scheme uh, you know you should not be losing to this Lions team the way they did right um, and and it's as, as bad as the defense was it's just as much on the offense mm-hmm. and, and this Lions secondary has not been good all year. Jonathan? Marcus Hayes is calm in Monday's Daily News. The tempo of Chip's offense is killing the defense because the defense is on the field for too long, and he can't just swap a bunch of guys in and out yeah, of we, the defense. We've, we've, gone, we've gone over that. I, I, I think that's overrated. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it helps them, but I, I think that, look, it's not tempo. It's going three and out, you yeah. know? 
It's any not, te- any if you're def- going three any and out, no matter gonna, how fast you go yeah. three and out, you're going to go three and out. The defense is going to be back on the field. And if you look at the moments defensively, with the except up to the last two weeks where they've just been horse hockey. But if you look at the moments before those two games that defensively had turned the season badly, the, the Eagles' tempo was not an issue. The idea that they lost to the Redskins 23-20 because the Redskins went on a 15-play drive that swallowed up the last six minutes of the game. That had nothing to do with tempo. The defense hadn't been on the field for most of the second half. The Eagles' offense had taken that game over. Um, the Atlanta game, the opening week, same sort of thing. The Eagles had rallied to this, you know, to take the lead, and then immediately the defense gives it back up again. That has nothing to do with against, tempo. Against the Buccaneers, they were coming. They, they were coming out of halftime. Uh, right. And and they they were the defense was off the field for the almost the entire third quarter. So I, I you know I just don't think tempo has that much to do with it. I, I guess I'd, I'd phrase it this way: Is the opposing coaches having figured out Chip's system? Is one of the things that they figured out slow it down and keep the Eagles' defense on the field for as much as possible? It tires them out. We can score yeah, a bunch of points and they can't and they and the Eagles can't but, fight it back. That's but it, but it's not an either or thing like. Slow it down and keep the Eagles' defense on the field. Well, the Eagles, if the Eagles' defense gets you off the field and they're three and out, no well, coach is trying you not don't, to get yeah. ninety-yard touchdown on every play. Yeah, you what, don't. You I, don't worry about it. Let, let, we need to keep emphasizing this point because I don't. I don't know that. Pe- I think people kind of brush it off, but the Eagles do not have talent right now. They they are among the least talented offensive football teams in the NFL. Uh, Riley Cooper at wide receiver. Miles Olsen at wide receiver. Jordan Matthews is solid, but he's the sixth or seventh best wide receiver in his own draft class. Uh, you know, you've got three backups starting on the offensive line. I mean, I guess now that Jason Peters is back too, but but you've got two Jason Peters. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, you know, you've got, essentially you have two healthy NFL starters on the offensive line. I mean, I mean, how is this team supposed to win games? And I think part part of what we saw this was a four and twelve team that Chip Kelly inherited, um, and I think part of what we're seeing right now is maybe a regression to the mean, mm-hmm. um, where they're actually they they played better. I think ten and six is a lot better than their talent level was in two thousand and uh, thirteen and fourteen and, and, and two thousand and fourteen. Look, talk about the quarterback all you want, and, and talk about Chip Kelly's, um, you know, some of his personnel decisions, and and clearly there there's some you know room for for critique there. But Nick Foles once again. Uh, on Sunday. Again, we're recording this on Monday, so if I say yesterday, I mean Sunday. But Nick Foles right now, uh, 57.9 completion percentage, 6.3 yards per attempt, 3.0 interception percentage, 2.3 touchdown percentage for a 72 quarterback rating. Now, yeah, it's a different system, but those numbers are very similar to what they were last year. 50, 59.8 completion, completion percentage, 7.0 yard per attempt, 3.2 inter- interception percentage, 81.4 quarterback rating. Sam Bradford, uh, you know... I, I am kind of the voice in the wilderness here, but but he, he has not had a horrible season. He, he's 63.9 completion percentage, 6.9 yards per attempt, 3.0 interception percentage, 82.4 quarterback rating. Uh, look, Bradford's been better than Foles. You can say that. And, and the fact is Chip Kelly knew, was smart enough to know that Nick Foles, despite, you know, having every reason to think that he, that he is the guy um, in 2013, has steadfastly had had decided that Nick Foles was not the guy and ended up trading him. And I think he he deserves credit for that. Um, Yeah. I mean, he was bound, I think by 29 and two. I mean, you had to bring the guy back. I mean, you you, you couldn't make that trade then after 2013, after Foles does. Right. But he also didn't, they didn't, they didn't, but they didn't, but they didn't get, but he also, you're right. He didn't get fooled by that after another year of evidence. Right. 
So. Deshaun Jackson, yeah, he's been he's good when he plays. He's good for a big play when he plays, but but he's spent the last couple of years wearing out his welcome in Washington too. Um, and again, I think what Chip has learned is that uh, maybe you should have a viable replacement ready before you get rid of a guy. But again, I, I'm not sure that Deshaun Jackson has showed anybody that that Chip Kelly made a huge mistake uh, letting him go. They just didn't have the talent. They, that 2010 and 2011 draft were so bad that they're paying for it now, and it's yeah. just really hard. Uh, you know, it's really hard to rebuild on the fly when, when you have two drafts back to back, like the ones that they had. And you swing and miss on a first round pick in Marcus. So, so I guess to, in, in a long, obviously long winded, uh, circle here, I don't know that anyone has figured Chip Kelly's offense out. I think Chip Kelly's, they figured it out to the point where they won't lose to inferior talent anymore. Um, and I think that, you know, I, it's really tough to judge this guy based on the talent that he has at his, at his disposal. I know you can argue that's. You know, it's his domain as GM, but. And I will argue that it is, is his domain as GM because I think about something that's been written in the Inquirer and the Daily News many, many times over the years, which is this whole culture versus talent question. No, 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 no. That's not that, culture versus talent. It was so? never no, culture No, it was never versus, versus culture, culture See, this versus is where, talent. Like Chip Kelly is a guy that people just, this market frustrates me because we just, we create these narratives and then we end up 10 weeks in the season to dis- discuss these narratives as if they're actual reality and we didn't invent them we invented that culture versus talent thing chip kelly never said culture beats talent it was culture trump scheme and everyone just ran with it and he never said anything about culture he, he, in fact he's always said that the talented guy wins you know i mean yeah. he's always a big he wants guy. the bigger stronger guy he i think look he's what we can discuss what he means by culture versus scheme but what he's talking about is trying to get quality people and quality players in there and if you have that he'll take that over ooh this coach came up with a really good game plan this week. Right. You know, th- well, that's he, what he's getting at. It doesn't mean that he doesn't need talented players. Chip Kelly didn't mean anything. Like, I mean, Chip Kelly talks out of his yeah. rear end, you know, very often. And, yeah. you know, chances are he was being a contrarian and, and he was trying to downplay the whole Chip Kelly is offensive genius. Chip Kelly married to a scheme. Chip Kelly stubborn. Like, that's the contrarian type of answer that he probably just pulled out. And, and you know, we've, we've just like latched onto it and somehow very disingenuously substituted uh, scheme for talent, which is not, which which is a completely different connotation. Everyone just wants to believe that Chip Kelly thinks culture and scheme trump talent. Not to, ju- I sorry, I didn't mean to jump down your no, throat. No, it's fine. It, it, you're more than welcome to you always. I just think that a lot of his, and we talked about this, Mike, last week on the show. A lot of his overarching things, even if in 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 the one individual little move here and there, succeed here and there. His overarching things are are what's getting him in trouble right now. Well, I think I think there were some philosophical chances that he took that haven't worked out nearly as well as he thought they would. For instance, getting rid of Deshaun Jackson, okay? I think part of that move, not entirely, but part of it was based on the idea of what Seattle was doing defensively and what the trend defensively in the NFL was becoming, which was Seattle basically decided, we're going to commit pass interference on every single pass play and dare officials to call it on every single pass play. And you know what? They're not. They're going to call the most egregious ones, and that's fine, and we'll take it. But we're going to do it and dare teams to, to out-physical us. 
So Chip looks at that and says, well, what I need is not a guy like Deshaun Jackson as my top receiver. What I need is a guy who can get off press coverage at the line who will out physical receivers. I need bigger receivers, which might be part of the reason he liked Riley Cooper more than the average Joe would. Um, I think he's miscalculated a little bit on that. I think you probably need a combination of both. Go watch. I don't know how many people watch it because it's on the NBC Sports Network and few people watch it. But there was they kind of do a film NFL film show. And what's the name of the, the Arizona Cardinals? Really good um, rookie wide receiver. Small guy from UAB. John Brown? No, small guy from UAB. He's a rookie. Um, anyway, they showed this, this clip of him scoring a touchdown against the Bengals. And he's a little guy. John is looking up the number right now. And he just blows the top off a two-deep zone. I mean, it's the, it's, the very, it's the very coverage that Chip has said week after week. We can't throw deep against this coverage because, you know, you, you can't outrun these safeties. Well, this guy does. And who was his name, John? J.J. Nelson. J.J. Nelson. That's, it. That's exactly the guy. And he lines up in the slot, and he dashes down the middle of the field, and he's wide open because the safeties are like, holy cow, we don't have these kind of afterburners. Now, if you have big Larry Fitzgerald on the outside— and you have little J.J. Nelson on the inside, you can make, you could beat a two-deep zone. So, you know, I think in some of the philosophical ways Chip has gone about things, they haven't exactly worked the way he would want yeah, them no, to I, work. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and, and I think what we saw, I think what we saw in 2013 was, was I mean, that wasn't Chip Kelly's offense. That's, I mean, half of, their, half of their yards came on Nick Foles throwing it deep to, you know, just throwing up for grabs, right. essentially. And, and they didn't play. That 2013 season is, is very mirage-like as well because of, you know the Scott Tolzines. I mean, they went they went six or seven straight weeks playing a backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, they didn't play the. I mean, they played they, they they trounced the Raiders. You know, when the Raiders were at their absolute low. They, right. They beat Carson Palmer and the Cardinals before so, yeah. Carson Palmer had had this renaissance. I think what Chip. I think Chip Kelly has probably learned a little something about NFL talent, and it's that um, you know Deshaun Jackson's better than Riley Cooper for all his flaw for all his flaws, and I, and I'm I'm not a big fan of Deshaun Jackson, but. I also don't know that things would be all that different because Deshaun Jackson missed a lot of games this year with a hamstring. He would have been, gotten very expensive. There's already been talk about the Redskins moving on from him. Um, again, this, you can make all the comes, argument. this all comes down to them. I think this season was inevitable no matter who was coaching um, unless they got unless they really hit big on the last couple drafts, and, and they clearly have not done that. Yeah, and you can make the argument before John jumps in again. You can make the argument that they should have done everything they could right. to keep Jeremy Macklin rather than making him a really fair offer and giving Kansas it, City even opportunity to match or exceed but it. But it. it still comes down to, to having reserves, talent reserves, yeah. that you draft and develop. Yes. And, and, you know, I would argue that the Macklin deal, um, you know, first of all, Frank Gore backing, you know, if Frank Gore doesn't back out, maybe they do sign, Jer maybe they do match mm -hmm. Jeremy Macklin. But, it, you know, who's to say Kansas City wasn't gonna, was going to let itself right. be beat in the bidding? You know, this right. is all very hypothetical. Um, but... That being said, I think where they really erred was not having any young running backs ready, mm -hmm. um, which forced them, I truly believe, forced them to panic when Frank Gore dropped out and say, we've got a guy in Ryan Matthews who's always injured and can't make it through a season, a guy in Darren Sproles who's not a bell, bell cow. Um, you know, we absolutely need a third running back or else we're going to be the Cowboys and enter the season with Joseph Randall and, right. you know, the traveling circus at, in the backfield. Um, and I think that... They ended up signing a a uh, imperfect running back for a very large price, and that kind of trickled down to everywhere else in the roster. But I still think it comes down to those, you know, that 2010-11 draft before that, and then you know, using 2012-13 to load up on defenders. Um, I think it, I think everything comes down to that, and I think that it's it would have been very difficult for any coach to avoid 
what the Eagles are doing right now. Which gets a little bit towards what we discussed, Mike, last week about Chip's misjudgment of depth mm-hmm. at the NFL level yeah. um, and how big of a flaw that might be in him, coach and GM perhaps. Yeah. And at, at the, the question that I have from this is we've been saying here, okay, Chip has learned, Chip has evolved, whatever. Are we going to see some sign, whether he says anything or simply changes out the way he does things, are we going to see some sign that he has in fact learned? I don't know. We're not going to know that until the offseason, I think. I mean, this season is what it is right now. It's they're four and seven and going nowhere, and you know, facing a Patriots team that's going to be angry as a hornet's nest because it just lost. To Worst the thing that could have happened to the Eagles Pro- was the Patriots probably, losing that game. Yeah, um, especially to Brock Osweiler. I don't know. There's a lot of bad things that can happen. That's true. That's true. Um, they could get stuck in a snowstorm between Providence and Foxborough or something. But yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just. That's it. We're not going to know until the off season. I just think that I think that uh, in our it, everything is a continuum in life and in, and in Philadelphia sports. And, and I just think that we're way on the end of the extreme uh, with regard to Chip Kelly. I think clearly there's some things that he erred um, in doing. But at the same time, you know, not to quote him, but to quote him, you know, there's the whole baby in the bathwater thing. Again, it's look at the other coaches that were hired the year that Chip Kelly was hired. Um, other than Bruce Arians, who clearly, he was my number one guy, mm. by the way, not to... Uh, I will not bring up anything I get wrong, but Bruce <laughs> Arians was my number one guy. But Gus Bradley has, has, you know, eh. Matt, Matt McCoy, Matt McC- Mike McCoy. Yeah. Um, again, like Mike Patton, it's very Bill hard. O'Brien. It's, I mean, O'Brien's doing a good job. It's this very year, hard. But again, Bill O'Brien, you know, is at the mercy of his quarterback position at the right. mercy of his, I mean, do they, who has more talent that the, the Texans or the Eagles? I would say the Eagles, or I would say the Texans have more talent. Yeah. Um, you know, at least when, Maybe even when Arian Foster is unhealthy, but they have the Andre Hopkins. They have you know a defense JJ that's Watt. pretty loaded. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I just think the line in the NFL is so thin between winning and losing that I don't know that you get rid of a guy who. Um, but I just think you're asking a little bit much, you know, to to think that you're going to do better than a guy who went ten and six, you know, with a roster that largely was unchanged from a team that went four and twelve. Right. Um, right. And and who hasn't who hasn't hit on a quarterback yet again. Look at the coach Andy Reid was after Donovan McNabb left compared to the coach Andy Reid was and the teams he had when Donovan McNabb was in his prime. You know, they they hit on their first draft pick and they could have taken Dante Culpepper or Cade McNown or somebody else and they didn't. Yeah, and, and I, look, I, I think the biggest the biggest thing this year that killed them was, was Jason Peters, I think, getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't play. I think he's been playing hurt all year because even before he got hurt, he wasn't playing well at all. But that was a huge factor in the, in, in every one of their losses up until these last couple. Um, you know, losing Jeremy Macklin again. You know, thirty-one other teams decided not to beat Jer- to meet Jeremy Ac- Macklin's asking price. And even if the Eagles would have kept on pushing it higher, who's to say that the Chiefs, you know the Chiefs needed a wide re- the Chiefs didn't throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver last year, so it's not right like the Chiefs were were not desperate for a wide receiver. Uh, you know, it's just there's some things that are within a general manager and coach's control. And I think there's some things that are not. And I think that we're kind of conflating the two at times when we, when we criticize Chip Kelly, I, I'm just saying when we criticize him, I think we need to make sure we're criticizing him for things that are within. Yeah, I know we do that all the time. This gets back to our, you know, the point you've made and I've made about Philadelphia and it's parochialism and, and myopia 
is that we we look at everything through the prism of what did our guy not do? Right. Like what did Chip not do to keep Jeremy Macklin? Well, it's possible he it's possible we don't know that he couldn't have done anything to keep Jeremy Macklin. And that, that if he said I'll give Jeremy Macklin eight years and eighty million dollars, Andy Reid said would say I'll give him nine years and ninety one. Right. You know. So we don't know, but we tend to look at it like what is, what are our teams and our coaches and our executives and our players not doing as opposed to what are some other teams doing? What are their plans? How far are they willing to go to make a move that ends up paying off? Yeah, I mean, releasing Evan Mathis is a legitimate criticism. Yes. Uh, you know, just because he was another body. Now, now again, the one thing we don't know is exactly what their salary cap situation looks like because only the NFL and, and the teams know that. But all indications are they could have kept Evan Mathis around. And even if he, again, even if he was not worth what right. they were going to pay him and even if he was being a pain in the butt... Again, there's a certain amount of pain in the butt you got to deal with at the right. NFL level because you'll end up sending Matt Tobin out there and he'll get steamrolled. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's for you and uh, Marcus to discuss on Twitter. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but, but, but besides Evan Mathis, uh, like, w- w- what were Chip's glaring errors this offseason? Signing DeMarco Murray, I think, in hindsight, uh, was a panic move. But you have to keep in mind, if you don't sign DeMarco Murray, who do you have in your backfield right now? Well, you may have LaShawn McCoy if you don't trade for Kiko Alonso. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think that 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 clearly was a was, you know, Mathis and McCoy in hindsight. But again, yeah. McCoy was hurt for ha- you know, I- McCoy was banged up. McCoy was not apparently not running the way Chip wanted him to run, whatever that means. McCoy at the time was running sideways from the 2-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Right, but um, we but but the the fact is, I think I, th- I think LaShawn McCoy deserves a lot of credit too for the last couple of years. Yeah, because absolutely. Maybe there just wasn't a whole lot of running room. You know, maybe he just was better at certainly, making I, something out of. I mean, I know I know in 2013 he yeah. deserves a huge amount of credit for what he did uh, that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he just he he was the one who made that offense go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I guess one of the, the paradox of Chip and the the why it's so hard to for me anyway to to evaluate him with a you know yes or no brand is he of the guys he got rid of he, he looks smart for getting i mean i think he looks smart for getting rid of Foles at least sure. you know yeah. um again and he took a shot on bradford right he took a chance yeah and columbus took a chance yeah <laughs> um well speaking of um you know taking chances and doing things differently um i think now's an appropriate time to transition to the other big Story of the last few days, which is the Sixers and uh, Julia Loca for. So just go, to, just go to ahead, put a ahead. bow on this. Yeah. Chip Kelly, does he is he back next year? Yes. Probably, but I don't know that it's the right decision, decision only because, as I said, I want some proof that he realizes what went wrong this year and that he's endeavoring to fix it. Well, I'll, I'll let him know. Maybe I'll give you a handwritten yeah. note or something. <laughs> uh, I think he'll be back, and I think that, that again, if, if, if I don't see why he would take any other job. Right. Besides USC, which to right. me indicates, uh, you know, maybe he listened, but the fact is he said no. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Jaleel Okafor. Yes. Big stories over the weekend. Driving 108 miles an hour involved in a um, fracas in Boston, involved in a um, fracas in Old City in October in which um, someone pulled a gun on him. Uh, interesting. Um, you know, I wrote a column about this for Sunday's Inquirer about, you know, the, the blame that can be spread around to both Okafor and the Sixers here. Yeah, um, and, see, and that's where I disagree. I, I don't see where the Sixers are culpable, but go, go Well, ahead. here's where I think the Sixers are culpable. They're not, cul- they're not culpable 
up until the incident, they up until they find out about the incident in October where he gets the gun pulled on him. And then at that point, if if you're smart, if you're if you're following through on this project that they've taken on of building around young guys, then you have to do what you have to do to protect those young guys, or as Sam Hankey might call them, investments. And once that's happened, once the gun gets pulled, you say to yourself, okay, Julia, look, this cannot happen again. And while we respect your freedom, and we know you're a 19-year-old kid, we need to do more to keep you safe. And so either you can have the team security guy with you all the time, or we can contract somebody, because such companies exist, I talked to the head of one of them, um, where you can hire them or we hire them and they follow you around and they don't report back to us. You know, that there's strict confidentiality about where you go and what you do and as long as you get to practice the next morning, everything's cool. Um, but that the age we live in now with cell phone, you know, camera phones everywhere and people being willing to goad celebrity athletes into confrontations, we just can't take the risk now. And I think the fact that they didn't do that in the wake of what happened in October and they knew about what happened in October I think puts puts some. So they some should have a guy twenty four hour twenty four seven on Jaleel Okafor. I think as every team in the NBA does with all of its big talent. Yeah, I mean Charles Barkley still is a guy who follows him around. All where, the time. where was Paul Pierce's guy? Well, they should have had a guy. Where, I mean, yeah. you can see the, the the fact that the fact that something was not stopped does not stop you from from taking a measure that might stop it. You know what I mean? Like. Just because bad things happen to NBA players because they didn't have a bodyguard there or a team security or their own security doesn't mean that having that security there isn't valuable. I agree. I just, I mean, we're talking. And isn't worth pursuing. I mean, I would have to, I mean, how many, how many NBA teams do this with their, their young players? I sure hope they all do. And that's part of the question here. Yeah. I mean, you know. LeBron James, it's funny, I talked to somebody with the Sixers on, on Thanksgiving night after the story was bre- as the story was breaking, and they basically said, well, you know, look at LeBron James, look at Kevin Durant, they don't put themselves in these situations. And I thought, well, first of all, you know, A, they're not 19. B, how many times have they put themselves in these situations and we just don't find out about it? C, how many times have they could have been in situations like this and it was diffused because they did have somebody. I mean, go, you know, Kevin Durant isn't eating dinner by himself on the road. He's eating dinner with people at a table next to him who will act immediately on his behalf if something were to come up. Um, You know, John and I were talking before the podcast and John Wall, you know, has a detail. Am I I right about that? Or it's just an example of, or Derek Rose or Carmelo Anthony, any, any NBA player in a big city, Boston, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, you name it. What I need to hear is that the Sixers are doing this, that it's it's not a question of, well, we're going to do it for the star guy. Now, it should be for everybody, plain and simple, across the end. Well, if you want to do it for the star guy, that's fine right. by me because because Whoa. Hollis Thompson but, but, isn't going to get the same level I understand of that. pressure the, that Jaleel Okafor is. The, you do realize it, this is an employer and not a babysitter, right? But it's. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna send a guy. You're gonna employ as many players as you have. You're gonna employ the same number of security guards that follow them around. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do it for. Well, he just said for everyone. No, I'm saying I'm 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 not saying saying for everyone. I'm saying for Jaleel Okafor. From the team's perspective, from the team's perspective, 
and, and we know that this is true because all the professional teams have, make available to all of their players. The Phillies, the Sixers, everybody is available to security. Who and, the Phillies do? Oh, I, yeah. I, I believe every they, – not, they're not with the players all the time, but they are available. You can call a number or whatever it is. I've run into plenty of Phillies players out, and I've never seen them have security. Yeah, but that doesn't – I mean, there's, look, there's a difference between the Phillies saying – this we're going to send a security guide with you right. and saying this is available to you. So you think if Julie Okafor said, hey, I'm going to a club tonight, I need security, the Sixers would say yes. Would, yeah. Would absolutely so it's, so right. it's still on Julie Okafor. It is up until... You can't, you can't send a... Up until the guy, he gets a gun pulled on him and he tells the Sixers right. about it. And at that point, the Sixers have to say, okay, you are one of the foundational pieces of our rebuild. Where the entire rebuild is predicated on young guys like you and... And creating an environment where you guys can survive and thrive and turn us into a respectable franchise again, you have to understand now that this has happened, things have to be different. And and, and again, I don't I know just think Sixers, I, I'm taking I'm 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 quite I'm being skeptical about the whole idea that this is a this is a uh standard standard operating procedure around professional sports. I mean, where was Deshaun Jackson's bodyguard when his place got robbed? They still can't find the guy who did that. I mean, guys, like, you're not going to follow guys around all the time. You just can't I'm not it. suggesting I, I, following them around all the time. I'm suggesting when you go out on a road trip in Boston, you ought to have security there. And the Sixers, because of what had earlier happened with Okafor, should have taken on greater responsibility for that security. Than they did, and the incumbency is on the Sixers, I think, to explain to any player, certainly one like Julio Okafor, why it matters. Hire somebody who he's comfortable with being around in a situation like that. And and again, it, that part is, I think, on the team. And the other question: well, Who was he? Who was he with when he was out? I have no idea. Uh, well, Cam, what he, uh, what's his name? Um, would uh, what's the Christian? But there Wood. was just those two. They didn't have any. No, no, no uh, as far there's been no report of anybody else involved in the situation other than those two guys. This is the other question that I have. Both underage, both at a club. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is you don't. I, I, I'm not. And sure. I'm not. I, 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 we don't know that he didn't have his own security guard there, do we? Well, I don't, I don't know. You guys. I don't know. I, I don't believe anybody has. That's that. It's not been reported that he had his own people there. Right, but but it also. Re- if we're going to talk about him not having his own people there, then we should probably make sure that he didn't have his own people there. I mean, it's, I, to my knowledge, based on what the inquirers reported, what we reported, he did not have his own security people there, which would have been great if he had. I mean, uh, you know, well, because I, I, I just I talk I I heard someone who who had witnessed the, or not witnessed the old city incident, but knew about it, uh, and it, apparently he had a big group of people with him, and I just wasn't weren't I apparently he hangs you know whatever I'm not gonna. I'm not saying Okafor is without blame here. He's got to. He's got to yes, act. Right. He, he, and Shashevsky could call him. For all I care, you know. And, and put I'm just saying. Here. I mean, there's. Look, you're 19. You're a pro athlete. You're part. Of, there is some. There is some responsibility that comes with that. I don't believe. I, I, I guess I just don't want to. I got accused the other day of ha- of having this hot take of like, you know, the Sixers bear some responsibility for this, and Jaleel Okafor bears some responsibility for this, as if it's empowered. Yeah, I do too. Heaven but, forbid you should have an opinion, by the way, you're a columnist. Uh, as if these sorts of things are just going to happen and they can never be avoided by either the athlete or the team that employs them. And, you know, I disagree with that. I mean, they can be. Whether it's because Julie Okafor says, 
you know, I'm not going to take the bait when somebody comes after me, whether he says, I'm not going to start stuff at a club, whether he says, whether he listens to a teammate and who, you know, we can get into a whole different discussion about who that teammate on the Sixers would be, who might say, look, I've played in the NBA for five years. Don't go to that club in Boston. I've been out in Boston. The likelihood is you're going to get in trouble there if you go there. There's nobody on the roster who's going to tell him that. Um, you know, or you can say like his dad who should have said something. You know, all I'm saying is that this could have been avoided and the team and the individual didn't do the necessary things to avoid it. Granting that there need to be a lot of lessons taught to the young guys on this team about things that get you in trouble perception-wise, things that are legitimately breaking the law, such as speeding on the Ben Franklin Bridge, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I wonder why we keep hearing about all the dirty laundry with this team. And it's nothing against Keith and Bob because they're reporting the stuff as they're supposed to do. It's nothing about anybody in this building. And TMZ, I mean, it's hard to ignore when TMZ posts a video. Sure, but I, I just, it happened with MB. Things happened with, I think there are, I, I, look. This was in the paper a little bit. I just, I just wonder, there, there are plenty of times when the guy, any number of professional athletes go out clubbing or whatever, maybe we never hear about it. Right. And, and I just wonder why, it seems to me that there's a, with this team, there's a lot of airing of dirty laundry, and I wonder why. I think there's a few things that's at play. Number one, I think there are a lot of agents who don't like Sam Henke because he's not signing their players, um, their marginal players or their veteran players to two-year deals. Um, and so agents talk, and they're going to tell reporters things about what's going on. I think that's one. I think there may very well be some skepticism within the organization about what Hinky is doing and how they're doing it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if not everybody was on board. Um, it just wouldn't. But I, I don't know. I'm just let's get back to because I just I, I'm still having trouble understanding the rationale for for and I until you show me numbers, I find it very hard to believe that the majority of professional athletes have team sponsored security I, with them. I can't because I can't prove a negative. But yeah, I, I, it's certainly I wouldn't right. I, but you, you're the one who made the assertion. I mean, I have been out. I have never seen. Except unless it's at a team sponsored event or a, or a big charity fund, if I run into a guy out from any of the sports, he never has a guy with from the team sitting there next to him. I, and I, I'll admit it, I wouldn't know because the guy might be a table or two over. I have no idea, but I certainly think that the great majority of pros again. I'll, well, I'll I don't know. About, a, about, to, I don't know if it's a majority or not. I will I'll, say this: superstar athletes, star athletes, certainly in the NBA, do it. So how's a guy going to learn a lesson? If he, I mean, Julia Okafor tweeted out, you know, I, you know, I've made some bad decisions. I realize that now. Would he realize that if he if he had a guy who stepped in and cleaned up his 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 mess every well, time? I, don't, I mean, I like, don't care whether this he, is a nineteen. I guess what I'm saying is this is a nineteen year old kid doing things that I did probably older than nineteen. Yeah, but you're uh, not a professional NBA player. Let, let People me, aren't going to step to you in the way that they're going to step to Julia Okafor. Right, but what I'm saying is, as long as you take as long as you take it for granted that you that a team cannot babysit its players 24 7 then the guy's gonna have to learn to live in the real world on his own and i think that that getting a gun pulled on you is a pretty good way to learn that right and it, and and it, it still took the six but he, he clearly didn't because he put himself in a similar situation but the I, night that night in boston arguably in a worse situation because he's in a a hot-blooded sports town with obnoxious fans and he's on the rival team but he's 19 i mean what that doesn't make it dumb <laughs> it's yeah it's dumb it's 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 on his part and he guess what people have to learn this, this is the way people learn and grow i mean i i've I, there, i've been in plenty of fracases when i was 19 20 21 doing stupid things you weren't around. that famous yet though. yeah no you, but, but what does that have to do i guess what i'm saying is because it's going to happen more often with a famous athlete 
It just is. And so, and, and, and you are fungible, and with, with respect to your employer, you are fungible to your employer in a way that Jaleel Okafor is not. You go get in a bar fight or end up on, um, on TMZ. So the, you know, in theory, the Daily News fires you and they find another column. So the, so the off season, so the off season, we're still sending security around Jaleel Okafor yes. everywhere? Yes. And that, that's, that, that's cool with the well, union? I'm saying. Well, well, let me take back one small thing I said earlier, which is to be absolutely certain that they're of, of how many players have security traveling with them at all the time. But here's where the, again, I think the incumbency is to no small degree on the Sixers to go back to something you said earlier. It's about protecting but their I, investment. I, I, I bring Plaxico Burris as an example. Why well, didn't he have a guy with him? Because that's not the way it works. That's just not the way it works. Like guys don't. The Giants it, over guys money. do not have. Guys do not travel with representatives from the a team. A lot of guys do. And and you can even if it doesn't have to be a representative from the team, there are company. But, there is at least one company out there that you can contract either as a player or as a franchise to provide protection, low key confidential protection. The, the, the company. I mean, I, I mentioned the guy in my column because I don't want to give and I don't want to give him free advertising. But it's out there. You can hire, call player. Protect. Well, how many did? How many does he? How many does he deal with? He deals with. Uh, he's he's done nine thousand details. He told me between the NBA and NFL. For right. nine thousand players over De- seven or eight years in business. Details like what I mean, like guys. The guy can be over two how tables many years? over in the restaurant is what? my point, but you don't know. Right, but that's that's but, there's in nine years there's three thousand days. I mean, but it, the, you guys are talking about you're talking about following Jaleel Okafor I'm not back talking to his hometown. About, look, I'm not talking about following to his hometown. I'm talking about when he's on a business trip, which is what this was. You follow him. This and, is a business trip, and I'm talking about the six. I don't know. It's sure. a business trip. I'm I think. Talking. I think if, if I think if it came out that Hinky was dispatching bodyguards to surreptitiously follow Jaleel Okafor, he doesn't have to be surreptitious be re- about it. He can say, Jaleel, we need to do this. Right. You got a gun pulled on you. You were on your own in October, and we would like you to act in a responsible way. And you need to learn a lesson from this. And, 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 and until you, until you do, we're going to baby you. And Hinky needs until to you do, we're going to protect you to make sure you don't get hurt, and we uh, don't. I mean, and Hanky needs to do it in a way that's not just talking down at Okafor. It's that actually gets him to understand it and be on board with it. And that's why I said, if if it's a guy that to make sure that the guy, whoever it is, is somebody. That what if you Okafor says, "No, nah, I don't want that." He's got a professional contract, and that can be written into the contract. No, it can't. No, it can't. I bet you the union would have a lot to say about that. I think the union. I don't know for. It certain, doesn't matter what you think. It's about the, what reality is, and and you, the see, collective bargaining agreements do not tend not. To look to rob power from their players, especially when you're talking about off the court time. I mean, the NFL can't even have its players gathered together at the facility under the guys, you know, at, at certain parts of the year. I mean, they're not going to allow a security detail to fall. I mean, it's just, we're talking about this is this is employment law. I get the impression that there's a way for the Sixers to do it that makes it work right, and they're not doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, don't I, get that impression. I mean, I, I that's where we disagree then. Well, but again, the NBA, if a guy says, if a this, guy the says, the NBA not, has that impression. If a guy says, the NBA I, has the impression, I can tell you this from talking to people around the team. The NBA has the impression that the Sixers are not doing enough for Julia Okafor. Yes. Well, who's the NBA? Like who? Like who? <laughs> the NBA? But I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, like scouts, general managers, league office, whatever. Because the then, league itself, right? Then the, the league headquarters in New York it has an Im- gets worried about the image stuff. The league itself, the league doesn't want one of its players in situations. I mean, you know. I mean, we're talking about an abstract. We're talking about like a, a logo. 
like no, we're talking, not. We're talking about the people. But who? who that's why. That's why I'm asking. You said the NBA. The who NBA. The, NBA? Like, the, 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 the the security, the director of security, the commissioner, okay. the people, the executives underneath him. Like, who do you think we're talking about? I just, I didn't, I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand what you were saying. And even if the Sixers are bad and her, her, historically bad and irrelevant, you're still talking about the the most marketable player in the fifth largest television market. Wait, but in the, the fact is, if a guy, if a 19 year old kid says, "I don't need security. I'm going to go out to the club and have fun," there's not much you can do about that as a as an employer. Right up until he gets a gun in his face, I would agree with you. And I, no, but I'm I'm saying legally, there's you can't you you just. You're an employer. Well, here, here's let me ask this. I do know you can't just follow your guys around. I, I do know of, of contracts in other sports where the players are either contractually barred or restricted from engaging in certain kinds of activities in the off season that might cause them an injury that would then keep them off the field court, rink, etc. Mm-hmm. Right. It's written into a standard player contract, but it did not keep Alden Smith from getting in trouble. It did not keep any of these guys from getting in trouble. Yeah, I mean, but that doesn't mean. That, that, but I'm the, saying we're the, talking. But again, the you're difference talking, between not doing anything and doing something that might help is not is that's a huge difference. Right, and I'm, what I'm saying, I'm just not sure how practical. I mean, you can't be with a, ni- a 19 year old kid is going to be out a lot. Agreed, and in and the he's gonna be, and, he's, and again, as you noted, he's not he, he's not necessarily going to be at places that he's supposed to be at. You know, if he's 19 and it's a 21 and over place. I understand that. But the I, there's a difference between between being able to do nothing and being able to do something that might help. The Sixers, to me, didn't even do the something. They didn't do the something that might help. Right, but again, it's still contingent on Okafor being receptive to it. I mean, and, if, and if, Okafor leaves, if Okafor leaves the team hotel and doesn't tell anybody, then what? That That's where... And- that's where they've got to teach and maybe find them. And that's where I will say, because I know that, and I don't know all the specifics about the NBA because I don't cover the NBA in so much depth. But I do know that there are leagues which go to great length, the NFL in particular because they do it at Wharton, mm-hmm. where they bring players, the rookie players in, and the Players Association sits them down and teaches. Right, because they, that, they realize that for these guys to stay out of trouble, it, it it's – 99% on them. And the Players Association ought to be in Okafor's year, too. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a substantial part of this is not on Jaleel Okafor. I'm saying that there are steps the Sixers could have taken once your best once their best player gets a gun waved in his face that they did not take. And they could have taken them. They could have. There's no indication that they did anything other than, oh, okay, well, you know, now we know about it. Be careful. The burden is on the Sixers to prove that they've done the most that they could and not less than that. What burden? Of the public perception. Well, we control the... That's, that's why I'm arguing against it, because I, 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 I don't believe that the perception that we're offering is the, is the right one. I think that, again, to think that you can follow a guy around 24-7... I'm not asking from, to follow him around 24-7. I'm asking to follow him around when he goes out on a road trip after a game. Okay, and again, I'll say... Look, look I don't know how much this costs. I don't know... If Jaleel Okafor is receptive to this then absolutely it sounds like a smart idea on the Sixers' part. But again, it still comes down to whether he's receptive to it or not because I will guarantee you that if he's not receptive f- to it, the Sixers are going to have a mess on their hands and, if they try to do it anyway. And I would I would bet, I can't guarantee, but I would bet that there are people out there, be they Krzyzewski or the guy's family or the NBA Players Association, whoever it may be, who can get in the kid's ear and explain why he needs to be receptive well, to absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, but... 
but again, it's still coming. But I guess that's what I'm saying is we're still getting. It still boils down to this kid acknowledging that he needs this, and and clearly, I mean, isn't that the problem? Well, if he continues to not, and and the Sixers find cause for letting him go, it may come back to haunt them. But what do you mean? You think they're going to cut you a little local? No, I don't at all. I'm just saying. But there, we've. I don't know what the right way to to make this analogy is, but if you believe that the Eagles, because they've been accused of this many times over the years, of cutting players for character reasons and not simply on the field reasons. If you believe that that sort of thing can happen, I don't think the Sixers will do it with Jaleel Okafor. But there is precedent for a team to cut a guy because I mean, it's slightly different. My only point is this kid, look, everything we've read, and, and through some great reporting by Keith Pompey, uh, great analysis by Mike Sealski, everything we've read is that this kid you know, has some has some growing up to do. Right. Just like every 19. My whole point is it's just like every 19-year-old. And yeah, like to think that like he's not running. I, I realize he got a gun pulled on him, and that's concerning. But it's not, it's like it's not like the hunting ground for pro athletes out there. I mean, it's like, like it's a hell of a lot different than it. I mean, based on what pro athletes used to have to deal with, which was, you know. Uh, formidable in and of itself. I mean, I would say it's a heck of a lot worse for pro athletes out there now because of this thing. And I'm flashing my iPhone because of social media, because every single minute, like I, you know, it would not surprise me if the video, if it comes out that the video that, that ended up on TMZ was shot by the friend of the guy that Okafor was confronted, right. you know, and it, that, that it was a setup in some regard. I don't know that that's true. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if that turned out to be the case. So in that environment, relying just on, either relying just on the judgment of the 19-year-old or saying that, well, this 19-year-old is going to do what 19-year-olds do and there's nothing we can do about it is not enough to me. It's not enough. And I understand where you're coming from. And I wish, yeah, in a certain degree, but you know, stuff like this is going to happen to a 19-year-old. I get it. But it's going to happen with more frequency to a multimillionaire celebrity athlete, 19-year-old. It's already happening. There are already instances where he is, he's already putting himself in these situations. You know, the 108 miles an hour in the Ben Franklin Bridge, the incident in October. Right, but so is the, now, guy, is the security guard supposed to drive for him now? No, I'm not suggesting that. All I'm suggesting is that where you can, you protect this kid. The Sixers could have done it Wednesday night into Thursday morning last week in Boston and didn't do it. Okay. I mean, I'll give you, I mean, are they going to do it? Are they going to, have you got I don't know. any indication I would, that they're I, gonna... I haven't gotten any indication yet. I have a feeling that they are, that the indications that I've gotten are, is that they are putting some of this on Okafor. At least people within the organization are putting a lot of this on Okafor and saying, hey, we don't have anything to do with this or, you know, um, which worries me in the, from, from a basketball standpoint in the sense that if you are building a team around young guys, how are you, you know, are you underselling how much you need to guide them to get them to where they want to go? I'm not saying you need to hold their hands and baby them. I'm saying you need to lend them something. Like, what are you doing for, for Joel Embiid now that he's sitting out a second straight year with a foot injury? Here's a kid who's 21. He's in a new country. He has no family here. He's had some issues already here. Like, are you doing anything to make this easier on him even a little bit to get him to grow and mature? Or are you just saying, hey, Jaleel, uh, hey Joel, sink or swim, it's on you? And the agents. Also, to go back to the point about the agents, if you're any number of other players who might down the road consider signing for this team 
and you would like to sign for a team that even if they build a fancy new practice facility uh, in Camden, as they're doing, um, gets judged at a certain point on how they treat their players. This creates a perception about how they treat their players, doesn't it? No, I, I, I think that you would turn off a lot more players by sending unwanted security details to follow them than a guy. I mean, I mean, let's come on. Let's step back and think about this. Like most, the guy who has the most to gain for keeping Jalil Okafor safe, besides Jalil Okafor, is his agent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not suggest. Look, I'm not suggesting that the Sixers hire. You know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger slash. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was, I was just responding to. I was no, just I know, responding I know. To I, I disagree with your point in one regard. I think Sam Hinkie's pretty high up that list too. Uh, what do you mean? On what? Of of people with a vested interest in keeping Julie Okafor safe. Right, but I'm. I mean, is they, no one's. I mean, I don't think anyone is more personally invested than his agent, who's right making monetarily salary. invested. Monetarily, yeah. you know. I mean, um, uh, but but I guess. Well, let's look. Let's see what happens going forward. All I'm I saying mean, is, I agree. In the abstract, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. Like, yeah, like if, if the Sixers could do everything in their power to keep this kid out of trouble, I think that they should do it. But I just think that their power is 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 a lot more limited than it, their power is contingent on the acquiescence of 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 the kid. And if the kid doesn't want security, you know, the kids, there's, you can't. I just don't know what you can do about that well, other than try I, I think, to help the I kid think it, I think learn it comes down to how you approach it. I think if you, once the incident happens in October, if you go to him and say, look, you know, we have a lot invested in you. We think you're part of the future of our franchise. We cannot have anything happen to you. You know, let's work out something here. Let's do the research. Let's find a company like, and I, you know, thank, you know, free advertising here, like Player Protect, where you can go, you call them up, the limo drives you somewhere, you are escorted, um, very uh, discreetly by an ex-law enforcement agent who doesn't interfere with your night, who's just there, and he doesn't tell the franchise anything about it right. the next morning. You know, a li- you can Google that company and find it. I know. And, and see if... I just think that that it's a huge leap to think that a 19-year-old would be receptive to that. Well, I mean, guys, I, I mean, guys, this is why guys get pulled over for DUI. They don't even want to, they don't even want to get a car, much less. They don't want to have a... I'm saying from a, from a professional athletes perspective uh, there's a reason why these guys get in trouble and they don't never have, and they don't have security guards on them it's because no one wants someone hovering over their shoulder all night they want they don't want to feel like that anyway I, I just no you're right you're, you're 100 right about that and that's that's i mean i think that's the happy medium where you've got to find it you know and and how you approach the player in this regard is key but there's no indication that the sixers did any of that is what I'm saying. And the idea that they are trying to get it out there, that this is all on Okafor, is disconcerting to me. Uh, for one of the well, things, this is why I kept coming back to Krzyzewski earlier. With Okafor specifically, where he came out of a big-time program with a track record of preparing guys for life in the NBA, that I would hope that at some point, while he was at Duke, even if he was only at Duke for a short amount of time, they did start to get the bug in him about why this stuff matters. And it is a little bit of why. I would like to hope that he is a little more receptive to this stuff than apparently he has turned out to be. We'll see. I mean, I would hope that the Sixers, the Sixers play the Lakers Tuesday night. They've lost, what, 28 games in a row. Um, they've got this to deal with. I would hope somebody from the organization other than Brett Brown is out there to address this uh, Tuesday because they really ought to. Um, you know, it's, it has to be addressed, I think. And this thing on a happier note, which is I think the Sixers might actually win that game. They're favored in the game. They're That's, favored. Uh, they're favored. That's that's hard to believe, Harry. Send Kobe Bryant off into retirement in a well, very so, particular way. I guess I guess we, so much for keeping it short. Yeah. Huh? Anyway, um, well, look, we'll be back next week when the Eagles will have crushed the New England Patriots, 
and um, the Sixers will have throttled the Lakers, and everything will be going swimmingly well in Philadelphia sports. So for John Tannenwald, the winter meetings will be going on. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, get excited. So, uh, so for John Tannenwald and Dave Murphy, I'm Mike Sealski. Thanks for listening. <laughs>